Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Evening. Merry Christmas. Do this so you can see me just a little bit better. So uh, excited to be with you here tonight. Hopefully everyone has their candle that we'll use to light at the end of the service. We are 100% safe here at New City. We have so many children that we don't want to burn any, anyone or anything, so we use these LED candles. I heard something interesting today that, um, I don't know if it's true or not, but they said that uh, candy canes were actually invented by someone who was trying to keep children quiet in church. So I don't know, maybe someone could do some research for me on that, but I that, thought that was interesting. Um, innovation, right? So we're glad that you're here. If you do have kids and they're rowdy, that's okay. If they get too ratty, you can be the judge of that. There's a cry room behind the sound booth there, and you can go and listen to the sermon there. We'll have it on for you video as well as audio. So um, as we come into to Christmas Eve, I want to challenge you to think about something, and it's this. Uh, we often see things, but we struggle to see the true significance of those things. We see things, but we struggle to see the true significance of those things. I heard a story recently about Banksy, the street artist. Uh, In 2013, he set up a booth outside Central Park in New York, and someone as a representative of him sold his artwork, original Banksy paintings signed by Banksy for just $60 a canvas. What happened, though, is no one saw the significance of it. Everyone thought it was a knockoff. And even though the booth was there all day selling this famous artist's artwork, uh, barely anyone bought it. In fact, by the end of the day, after it had been outside Central Park all day, only eight canvases sold. And the total was about $500. In fact, even the people who were buying it, just didn't realize the significance that this was a Banksy original. And so they even tried to bargain down from $60 a piece. They saw it, but they didn't get the significance of it. So many people just passed by, not realizing that they had the opportunity to get an amazing piece of art by an amazing artist as a deal. That's much like us as humans, I think. I think we see things and we struggle to see the significance of those things. I heard another story uh, through This American Life on NPR about the late writer, David Rakoff, and he confessed that in his life, he had often seen things, but had not seen the significance of those things. He worked for a company in the 1980s that was in another country. And as part of that company's agenda, they set up this little thing where computers could talk to other computers. And on a network, you could get on a computer and talk to another computer. And in the 1980s, no one had really heard of this. And the writer, David Rakoff, said, this will never catch on. Uh, What kind of loser would log onto a computer just to talk to somebody? And so he literally quit his job. And that company that started that network-to-network computer talking became the internet. But because David Rakoff didn't see the significance of it, he wasn't able to grasp it. He he also, two other things in his own life, he was at a dance club once in the early 80s, 
And there was this uh, blonde singer who he thought was pretty lousy. And so he wasn't interested in the singer at all, but that singer would go on to become Madonna. And there again, he's 0 for 2 in seeing the significance of things. Third time in his life was when he had this manuscript pass over his desk and he had to decide whether it was worth publishing or not. And he looked at it and he said, this is an easy pass. This is a horrible manuscript. This will never work. Well, what he ended up passing on was the book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which went on to sell 15 million copies. He was 0 for 3. Uh, As humans, we struggle to see the significance of things. We see things, but we struggle to see their significance. As we come to Luke 2, I want to invite you to wrestle with the significance of this text, to wrestle with the significance of this story, Uh, the nativity story, the story of Jesus' birth. We see it, or at least we're reading it tonight, And I want you to ask the question, is there significance in this text? Significance for you, significance for your family, significance for the world. Some people struggle to see significance in this because they read this and they say, well, this is all a myth. This isn't a real story. This is just a legend that has been made up and put in the Bible. I mean, it has to be a legend, right? We're talking about the miracle of a virgin birth. How could this be real? And so many people take Jesus' teachings but don't examine the reality of the miracles surrounding him. Uh, but, But Luke wants us to see that this is absolutely a historical account. Though we might not be able to make sense of it, he says this in the very beginning of his book. He says, many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. Luke is unapologetically saying, this is no myth, this is no legend. It is as crazy and far-fetched as it sounds, but it happened in time, in space, and in history. God became man in this story. Through a woman who never knew a man, God became man. Now, in order to see the significance of this, you you could just write it off. You could say, this is totally a myth. This is totally a legend. Miracles are not possible. But Luke challenges you, examine it as history. Do, Do your research. Do your work. Many people believe this is a true story as Luke presents it, and their hearts have been captured by it. Not as a legend, but as something that really happened in our world. Are you willing to take that step and actually look at this and see if it's something more than a myth? For me, and I know for many of you, your heart has been captured by it. But I think at times we struggle during the Christmas season to give room to the story afresh. Christmas is chaotic. Someone say amen. It is, and our hearts are often occupied by decorations and presence and keeping people from fighting over Christmas dinner because the conversation turns political. The, the, the season of Christmas is chaotic and our hearts are often occupied by worries and anxieties and just getting things done. We don't have the, the thought capacity. We don't have the emotional space. And so we miss the significance of Christmas. 
But maybe for those of you who would say that you're there, maybe you just need to remember that Christmas itself was full of all those very things. Christmas, the first Christmas, was completely chaotic. It was completely chaotic. Luke tells us in verse four of chapter two, he reminds us that Mary and Joseph are on a journey. She is pregnant on that journey. They are not married. When they get to the place, she has to have the baby. There's no place to have the baby. And in the midst of all this, in the background of all of this, is that they are under the oppressive empire of Rome. They have no power, they have no control, they have nowhere to go. This story is completely chaotic. And when we sit in that chaos, when we remember that it was chaos, that this story, this true story, this story of the Savior coming into the world, it's in chaos that this original story takes place. And so maybe part of you seeing the significance of Christmas isn't trying to get past the chaos that you're feeling today. Maybe the chaos is actually an opportunity to remember what the original story was about. Steve Luxa puts it this way. He says, seeing how our mess of Christmas is actually the reason we have Christmas in the first place. God sent Christ for our joy in the midst of our chaos. So much of our own chaos is caused by the brokenness inside of us, by sinful humanity, but that's the very reason that Jesus came. Jesus came and entered our chaos. And so whether you're experiencing family dysfunction this week or the stress about gifts and money or your cat's attacking the tree again, it's an opportunity for you to see the significance that some of the chaotic things you feel during Christmas help you see and feel the true significance of Christmas, of Jesus coming into a chaotic world. God became man. He entered the, from the glories of heaven into the chaotic, sinful mess of humanity. And that's worth us wrestling over because we often chase things. We often chase things that we believe are significant, but we don't see them clearly. You know that the World Cup just happened, I think it was last Sunday, that Argentina won. It was a really exciting match, but the story that came out after that was uh, what happened with Salt Bay. Salt Bay is a Turkish chef, and he does those videos online where he cuts the meat and then he throws it up and he stabs it in the air, and his final signature move is when he spreads the meat out and he grabs some salt and he sprinkles it, and it kind of bounces off his sweaty elbow into the meat, and somehow people like eating that, I don't know, but that's his, that's his signature move. And somehow, Salt Bay got on the field after the World Cup was over. And if you see the video, it's kind of funny, because it's, it's almost a little sad. Like, I don't want to be judgmental, but it's a little sad, because he's like chasing around Lionel Messi, the greatest soccer player of all time, and he's like grabbing him, like, hey, can I get a picture with you? And Messi's like, dude, leave me alone. Like, who are you and why are you on the field? And finally, he grabs Messi and they get this, this picture together. And, and Salpe just kind of looks a little desperate. He looks a little desperate in those moments. And then, and then after that, he goes over and he finds some player that he doesn't know who's holding the World Cup trophy. And he, like, gets the trophy out of the guy's hand and, like, is getting all these pictures with it. And the guy's like, 
Who are you and why are you on the field? And then he does like the signature salt sprinkle on top of the trophy. And everyone's mad, like worldwide, people are mad. First of all, he's not supposed to be on the field. But then secondly, he's not supposed to be touching the trophy. This sacred thing is only supposed to be touched by the winners of the World Cup or if you're an international dignitary, not if you're a chef. And yet Salt Bay, in those moments, there's something about him where I kind of resonate with his desperation in chasing after significance. It's like, can I just be around Lionel Messi? Can I just hold on to this trophy? You see him there and, and he's just chasing after this significance. And I think there's something in him that's in all of us well, whether it's we're chasing after money or we're chasing after status or, or social media likes, whatever we're chasing after, we're much like him where we're looking for significance in places that make us feel kind of desperate. And it makes us hard to see what's actually significant here at Christmas because God's way of doing something significant is to reveal it in the midst of insignificance. In, in other words, God loves to re reveal himself and what he's doing in places where everyone else would pass it over. I mean, in the story that we've read, he, he announces the message to shepherds, people who care for animals, now, in our culture, we would know for sure a shepherd would probably smell, but what you need to know about shepherds in that culture was that they were on the bottom end of the social totem pole. They were down there. They were seen as dishonest because if a shepherd brought his flock through your property, stuff would go missing because they had sticky fingers. And therefore, if there was a, 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 court, uh, a court thing that needed to happen, people did not trust shepherds to give a testimony. They were seen as dishonest. They were despised. They were not liked. And yet, here's this bizarre historical event, the greatest event that has ever happened, the most significant event that has ever happened, and God chooses to tell who? Shepherds. God loves to reveal significant things to the insignificant. And so the angels show up and show the light show of light shows. And the glory of God is revealed. The glory of God, which is held for the sacred temple, that's the only place that the glory of God is supposed to be shown. But God chooses to show it to shepherds, the least significant, these farmhands. And no one else sees it except them. It's quite amazing. But then just so we get the point, the angel says, that we proclaim to you. In, in other words, the message is for these shepherds. Good news of great joy for all people that today in the city of David, a savior was born for you. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He, he is the Lord. He has come. And this significant message is announced to these insignificant people. It, it's so counterintuitive. We think of Salt Bay chasing after significance on that field versus God chasing after these insignificant shepherds with his most significant message. It's hard for us to see the significance 
But the angels tell the shepherds, even, even more so, here's a sign for you. This baby will come wearing royal garments and be in a palace so you know his significance. But that's not what he says. That's not what the angel says. The angel says, you will find him wrapped in cloth like rags and lying in a manger where animals eat out of. How obscure could this savior of the world be? As humans, we see things, but we struggle to see the significance of those things. But this Christmas, it's worth you taking the time to look again at Jesus, the one who was born of the Virgin Mary, God become flesh, who came to the earth through a miracle, a supernatural miracle that that had never happened before and will never happen again. This one-time event, because this was the one who had come to die. This is the one who had come to reconcile you to God. Through living the life you should have lived and dying the death you should have died, by his life you will live. When he went to the cross, he died in your place. So that when you believe in him, when you turn to him, you will have eternal life. And seeing that at Christmas, nothing could be more significant for you. So let me encourage you, take the time not to rush by this, but to see the significance of Jesus by knowing what to look for, because it is to you and it is for you, just like it was for the shepherds. Our story kind of winds down in verse 15. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. God has this funny way. The shepherds whose testimony wasn't valid in a court of law are the ones who are telling everybody about Jesus. God loves to show his significance and the significance of Jesus in the midst of insignificance. Maybe you're here today and you're just busy. Slow down. Slow down in the midst of the chaos. Be reminded that Jesus entered in and came into our chaos. But but, but maybe today you're chasing after significance. You're chasing after something else. Wrestle with the God who chooses to show the significance of Jesus in the midst of obscurity. Whatever you are, whatever your plans are tomorrow, don't let this moment pass without making room for Jesus in your heart. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.